0: Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas Studios. In the situation, think about who the Padres are and the swagger that they have. If it's Tatis who hits that home run, oh. I mean, they they probably oh. would have stopped the game.
1: This is the Press
0: Box. Brought out a full mariachi yes. and had, like, a party on the field.
1: Yes. Ed Rainey and Adam Candy.
0: For the fat toss would still be in the air.
1: The, absolutely. It would still be in the air. Uh, like
0: Manny Machado would have gone out to the mound, pulled his pants yes. down, taken a dump on the mound, <laughs> and said, You pitch through this for the rest of
1: the day. On ESPN Las Vegas. Dumps on the mound. You can't beat that. Ed Graney, Adam Candy, DeMon running the show today. Good morning to you. It's a Monday. Tyler's off. He'll be back tomorrow. And then it's Candy and I for the rest of the week. No show on Friday. So I'm sure you'll be depressed about that. Uh, big show ahead. A lot of great guests today. Uh Vin Sapienza from Fox Five, Willie Ramirez, Mick Akers, Mike Ramal, it's gonna be a big show. How are you, buddy?
0: Oh, I'm ready to party. It's Monday. Yeah.
1: <laughs> let's get let's get this going. Are you awake? <laughs> I, well here's here's I, I'm why I'm awake not.
0: because the dogs from the neighborhood house behind me started barking at like five thirty uh, this morning. So they knew they knew that I was on with you and wanted yeah. to make sure I was up. Five
1: fifteen wake up call for me every day. I don't know why. Oh then I go, then I go back to sleep.
0: Yeah, okay, good. As long as there's some <laughs> something reasonable about that. Ooh. <laughs> there's not much reasonable about me. Here we go.
1: The first bite. Is the Stanley Cup over? Uh, why? Help me out here. Why do I, as, dis, as dominant as Colorado's been, as dominant as they've been, why do I not think it's over? Is it just because these guys have won two straight and they were down in other series and there's just something about them? Because, man... You know, as well as anyone watching those, especially the second game, they don't look like they're in the same world with the Colorado Avalanche. And I just, I wanted to go back to Tampa Bay just to see, just to see for sure if this is it and the, and the mini dynasty is over. I think you can keep in mind that
0: for the Tampa Bay Lightning, it's looked like it's over a couple of times in the playoffs thus far, and they've managed to come back, but those were against different teams. Yeah. This Avalanche team was the Stanley Cup favorite before the season rightfully so they were the Stanley Cup favorite before uh, two seasons ago and didn't uh, get through the Golden Knights but when it comes to this particular season this avalanche team has been this dominant all the way along and that's why I have to feel like I don't see a path for Tampa Bay to come back and win this series Tampa Bay can win tonight but if you're asking me can Tampa win four out of the next five games against this Colorado team no they absolutely can't nobody could nobody could Because Tampa was the co-second favorite, along with some team that plays in T-Mobile Arena, to win the Stanley Cup this year. Yep.
1: Do you... Is it more... Let me ask this. Is it more Colorado that Kucherov, Stamkos, Hedman, and now let's say Vasilevsky... Aren't playing up to par? Are they? Is it is it just the speed? I mean, what what is going on here? Or do you put any blame on them that they haven't adjusted? Or here's the thing: Can you even adjust to that speed? Sixty to twenty eight shot attempts advantage in game two. Sixty to twenty eight. They never possessed the puck for very long. Meaning Tampa uh Landis Scott McKinnon and, and Nuchkin uh, had didn't allow a shot attempt for 843 of even strength on ice time. That those numbers and I know you know you're you're a numbers guy you, you love the analytics and the numbers but answer me this I don't even know if the numbers matter anymore in this because they're just so dominant that you just look at 5 on 5 and special teams and all that that's going on here I I, I see these numbers and I'm like okay is it just the speed? I mean they're just so there's just so much faster it seems like
0: well, I think that goes to what the big difference is in this series. And, and I'm going to make a comparison that I think for if you're not a hockey fan, if you're not someone who regularly watches and you just tuned in for the Stanley Cup final, and you're kind of looking to try to understand all of this. I think what you have is a comparison to the NBA finals that is sort of like an improved Boston Celtics against the Golden State Warriors. You have a younger, faster, more talented team. Team top to bottom against the old guard that's kind of trying to hold it together for another run here. And you talk about that speed. I mean, look at the ages of the guys that you're talking about. The top line of the Avalanche, I mean, they don't play together anymore, right? But Ranton and Landis and McKinnon, 25, 29, 26. You don't have a significant player for this Avalanche team above the age of 30, except for. Eric Johnson and and, <laughs> and uh, Nazem Kadri. That's it. Those are your important players for this team who are over the age of 30. So they are younger and faster. They are a more talented team. And oh by the way, if you're thinking to yourself as a Golden Knights fan, well, we beat him a couple of years ago. Uh keep something else in mind. Their projected cap hit for next year is $56 million. Is it $56 while million. The Golden Knights are up against the cap. Yeah. They still have another year of McKinnon at 6.3 million. Now, they have a lot of free agents to deal with this year, so that'll go up to a bigger number. Burakovsky, Caliano, uh, whether they decide to keep Kadri, Nishuskin, et cetera. But their core is in place. This team is going to be here for a while.
1: Uh, Tampa had been 9-2 and two in Game 2 since 2020. Always scored the first goal in that game. That hasn't happened here. And now I've got to ask you about uh, Andre Vasilevsky. Uh, they'd never given up more than three goals in a game in Game 2s. When Vasilevsky had a 9.38 save percentage in those games against Colorado in Game 2, he gave up seven goals, 7.74. I don't know if it's all on him and his his his, uh, his teammates are saying uh, that it's not. This is John Cooper afterwards when asked, why didn't you take him out? Listen, this is the playoffs, and we're here to win hockey games. Vazzy gives us the best chance to win a hockey game, and he's our guy. He's the best goalie in the world, and we win together, we lose together. Even if I did replace, try to replace him, I don't think he would have come out. That's what competitive he is, and that's why he's the best. Uh, he hasn't looked the best yet, has he? No,
0: he hasn't. And I think something else that has happened in this series is kind of hard to fathom, but the Tampa Bay Lightning just aren't getting any good scoring chances. That, that's part of the problem here is the tempe lightning if you look at the high danger chances for in this series if nine total high danger chances the colorado avalanche have 20 and after a while even the best goaltender in the world is going to crack over better than a two to one right. high danger right. chance advantage and i think the other thing to keep in mind and it's so hard to get our heads around this when it comes to hockey The best goalie in the world for one series can be the worst goalie in the world. It's entirely possible. The range of outcomes when it comes to goalies is super, super wide. So I'm not worried about Andre Vasilevsky. I'm worried about the entire Tampa Bay team because, Ed, you know I like nothing more than to go dig into the analytics numbers and come on here with a pocket protector full of here's why you're wrong, Yes, right? And so I went in and I dug in on... Natural stat trick. I I I was lost in my own chonies. And here I come trying to find you some numbers. And every oh, I number I, I look it. at, every single number favors the Avalanche in a big way. And so I thought to myself, well, let me go back and look at the Lightning against the Rangers and see if it was the same thing, right? Maybe maybe the Lightning are just a team that's outperforming the numbers. Uh, no, no. Even when they lost the first two games, uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning still dominated Corsi 4. So puck possession, shot attempts. Uh, they dominated high danger chances. Like They they had the advantage over the Rangers in those two games they were better. and lost a couple of one-goal games. Right. Uh, they had an opportunity in game one by sending that game to overtime to get themselves into this series. But at this point, yeah, they absolutely can win tonight. They're the betting favorite tonight. Uh, are they the betting favorite? The they are, not by a lot. But uh, when I looked last night at uh, Circus Sports, it was Lightning minus 107, Avalanche minus 103. So a slight oh, favorite. That's a slight favorite. But come on, think about the, what we just saw in Game Two, where they lost seven nothing. That's a lot of respect for Tampa going home, where they have won their last seven games
1: in a row in the postseason. What's different this one? What's different about Colorado this time than other times? I think we
0: watched it with Jordan's Bulls. I think we watched it with a lot of great teams that had to lose first. You, you, you've got to go in and go into the lab and figure out what what did we lose because of and the avalanche came back and looked at it and i think they saw a team like the golden knights that was rolling three four lines deep and realized they just didn't have that because they've had this same defense core together for a couple of years and they also improved their goaltending darcy kemper is better than uh philip grubauer even though grubauer you know was uh reputed to be pretty damn good no he was a, a product of the system more than darcy kepper was right so now we look at this team and yes they're they're without nazem kadri right now they're without andre burakovsky but even a guy like nishuskin who wasn't that great in dallas they've been able to plug into this system and be a lot better so ed i think the fact that this colorado team doesn't just beat you with one good top line anymore. No. He's huge, right? They broke up yes. Landis Granton and McKinnon, and now that's two lines of hurt for the other team.
1: And they're as deep as he can be, right? I mean, I talked about what, in terms of not allowing an ice, uh, a shot on ice, I mean, over eight, over eight minutes with McKinnon. But these third and fourth lines are playing really, really well in this series. Now, they won't be with Burakovsky. He's not going to travel to the team to Tampa on Sunday after setting an injury. Uh, how 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 much does this hurt them because his availability for game 3 remains unknown we know what he's done so far but like you just said you made the great point the depth is so much as i don't know without kadri and him uh it makes i mean i'm sure it makes a difference but does it make that much of a difference the way they're playing i don't think it
0: makes a difference because we only have at the most 5 games left in the season right what happens is if you ride your top guys too long you start to see it over time right you start to see over time that they degrade and they wear down You're not going to find that at this point of the season, right? The Lightning have played more games than the Colorado Avalanche have to this point. And as we just talked about, the Avalanche are younger. You're not going to wear down Nathan McKinnon at this point of the year. If you have to play him more ice time than you have in the past, that's not going to cause Colorado a problem in the short term. So no, I'm not worried about uh, the fact that Burkowski and Kadri are going to be in there. I look at the Avalanche and I say, what's going to happen now when they get to Tampa where John Cooper has last change, right? Because what we were seeing was Jared Bednar decided, yeah, my top line is better than your top line. And he was consistently sending the uh, line with Nathan McKinnon out there against Stamkos and company and the Avalanche were winning as you just brought up the great stat about no shots on ice again, or no shots on goal against. Yeah. I mean, it's unbelievable. It's an unbelievable number. And then you, Know what the offensive skill is for those guys.
1: The Tampa Bay Lightning can come back and win this series if this happens.
0: Ooh. Are we sure that the Colorado team plane has already arrived in Tampa? Because I think they could win the series if Gary Bettman declares a forfeit because there is no <laughs> way for the Avalanche to get to Tampa Bay. No, how can they win this series? Uh, I, I do think it has to do with injury, right? That's, that's the only thing I could see. Because at this point, if they had stolen game one, and if they had gotten that overtime win, I would have said, yeah, sure, okay, maybe they can find a way to steal one more and play them to a draw over four more games, and then you've won four. You're now asking them to win four out of five against a team that was plus 475 to win the Stanley Cup at the beginning of the season, the clear favorite they are the best team in hockey. They've been the best team in hockey. And for once, they're playing
1: like the best team yeah. in hockey. All right, good stuff there. We're off and running on a Monday. When we come back, we'll continue a little hockey talk. Guess what? Pete DeBoer, our friend, he has a new job. This is the Press Box with Ed Greeny and Adam Candy. All right, back at it. Vince Sapienza of Fox 5 on at 7.30. Willie Pops Ramirez, 8.30. More guests come. We're going to have some prizes later in the show. You'll want to hear that, including Aces tickets to this week's game against Chicago, four-pack in the fan zone. That's going away in the 9 o'clock hour. We'll also have some prizes in the 8 o'clock hour. Stay with us. Peter DeBoer set to become the next head coach of the Dallas Stars. Elliot Friedman reported first this morning. Pete DeBoer has a new job. Uh, we know he was relieved by the Knights on May 16th after they missed the playoffs for the first time in history. Pete was uh, also the head coach in San Jose, New Jersey, and Florida, so now he goes to Dallas. I'm happy for him, man. I just um, – I, I wrote it. I was on record. I didn't think he should be fired by the night. Um, let me ask you this. this and I, I'm really glad he got a job, but is it just me or is it just the continuing uh, cycling of coaches through the NHL? The, we talked about this last week, Tyler and I, and you don't see a lot of like, you know, even though some promote from within – it seems in other sports they go outside more the, the fraternity or the family. And like I said, I'm overjoyed for Pete getting the job, so this has nothing to do with Pete. But it just seems like they they, they kind of cycle coaches through these jobs. Tortorella, um, Cassidy, um, all these guys now just have new jobs. Am, am I wrong about that, or is it they just they don't seem to go for newer, newer guys?
0: Yeah, for a sport that's really interested in getting a, quote, new voice yeah. they seem to go to a yes, lot of the old fresh, voices the fresh
1: voice yes yes They're, yeah they,
0: <laughs> they seem to just see if they can take the same voice from one place plug it into another and maybe that'll be the right voice but essentially you've got the same members of the band like you never yes. get anyone new in the band it's just the same voices in different bands so now Pete DeBoer goes down to Dallas and you know this isn't the nfl this isn't the nba this isn't even major league baseball and not that all three of those have sterling records of diversity and being you know creative in their
1: hires right but they all outshine the nhl uh by a yes. long shot right oh exactly like i said we we mentioned the last week and it was i didn't think about it until i think tyler mentioned it about kind of recycling guys through through the uh through the system for these jobs. 98-15-12, uh, Pete was in uh, the Knights for two and a half years, got to the conference final a few times. You and I, uh, before we get to Bruce Cassidy, you and I never really got to talk about or be on the same show, I don't believe, when Pete DeBoer uh, got, got fired. I didn't think he should. Were you surprised at that? A lot of people came back and said they weren't when they started thinking about it. And I just thought after a week or 10 days had gone by that they had decided that he'd stay and he'd coach out his contract for one more year. But obviously uh, the conversations didn't go as he would have preferred with Kelly McCrimmon. Um, it, it, overall picture, what what do you think mostly led to this? Because all we heard, all we heard were injuries, injuries, injuries. And that's what you know kept them from advancing the playoffs and going deep this year. And he's not in charge of the injuries. So I just, you know, I know we're going back in time here, but you and I have never talked about this in terms of Pete, you know, being let go by them and the reasons behind it.
0: The Golden Knights should not have fired Peter DeBoer, right. period, full stop. There's there's no other way for me to say it that would find a way to justify. Uh, you, let's go one by one. The injuries, as Ken Bulkey from Sinbin detailed very well, mm-hmm. the injuries were a feature, not a bug. Right? If you're going to play this long-term injured reserve game all season long, then you can't claim that the injuries were why you were losing all the time because you baked the injuries into the process. And so you can maybe claim, I think Ken came down to about 60% of those injuries, which takes the Golden Knights from top three in the league in man games lost to right about average. So I'm not really going to buy that when it comes to a reason to fire Pete DeBoer for the injuries. The power play is another one all right if you want to say that you fired the coach of a team who had taken you to the western conference finals the season before because the power play couldn't get it together then good on you but I don't agree Uh, I don't you can replace an assistant coach or two and do that if that's what you're really thinking or you can try to get a full roster of guys together for a whole season Uh, we heard about the relationship with Robin Leonard look man If you're going to make me choose one between Peter DeBoer and Robin Leonard, I'm going to choose DeBoer because DeBoer has a longer track record of success. And I know, Ed, we've heard it over and over again. You can't fire the players, you fire the coach. Well, Robin Leonard is not a guarantee to come back and be useful to this team. He's had major surgery now. He did not play well last year, even before the surgery. So there's no reason that's been given to fire Pete DeBoer that makes any sense to me at all? Now, I think the Golden Knights lucked out with Bruce Cassidy, but I also don't see why DeBoer had to go, at least for the reasons they've told us publicly. Uh,
1: to date, the Islanders, Lane Lambert, uh, John Tortorella. Boy, John Tur- Tortorella with the uh, Philly Media. Oh, that's going to be beautiful. Cassidy, we know with the Knights, Red Wings, Jets, and Bruins continue to search. Barry Trots, um, I guess he's going to make his wishes known on July 1. This guy's held out forever. I think the, the three left. Um, the Jets uh, because he could go home and he's been offered free beer for a year. What would it take for you to leave to go to Winnipeg for free something uh, for the rest of your life? This guy's, if he goes to the Jets, they've given him free beer for life. Would you go to Winnipeg or to some incredibly cold place in the middle of Canada for something free for the rest of your life?
0: I mean, I've I've lived in New York. the The cold's oh, not really yeah, gonna that's be a right. problem. It's right. It's Not gonna be a not gonna be a huge problem for me. Uh, I was just looking up. Like, does Winnipeg have any cool nicknames? Right? Is, like, is, it, <laughs> is there something fun about it that I don't know <laughs> about the capital of Manitoba? Gateway to the West. So they share that with St. Louis. Super cool. Uh, and Winterpeg. Yeah, that that yeah, that sounds that about sounds right. right. Uh, but my favorite part about this story is I thought that after LeBron we were done with the decision yes but apparently we're getting the decision part two from barry trotz and how lit is this going to be this could be fantastic remember barry trotz coming into every stanley cup final uh press conference with his gatorade and telling everybody oh, to sure. stay hydrated, hydrated stay right? hydrated yeah stay, stay hydrated, hydrated right all right stay hydrated uh so i can't wait this is gonna be sponsored by gatorade uh sure. it's it's gonna be held what lebron did his at a boys and girls club so w- where's uh I, I could more see Barry Trotz at you know some sort of like worn-down bar that's been a community well, yeah. institution he's for gonna 50 go years. He's going to start getting his
1: you know? free
0: beer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, he's going to start going to get his free beer. Um, the, the Tortorella thing, by the way. Oh, boy. The fact that the Jackass-in-Chief continues to get jobs is just There's another one that cycles through. It, what's new about that voice? That voice came from Hoosiers. That <laughs> dude has been selling the same bill of goods for God only knows how long. I look, I'm jaded when it comes to Tortorella. I'm a Devils fan. Uh, that Eastern Conference final where Pete DeBoer and the Devils beat uh, John Tortorella and the Rangers reminded me of uh, what a jerk that dude is. So you're right. Uh, to go back to the point from the beginning. We don't get any, what, are we going to count Jay Woodcroft in Edmonton as a new voice, The no. guy who
1: got promoted from he within? Got, he, he, he came from within. He's not fresh. No. I, I,
0: honestly, like, if you look at NHL head coaches, it looks like the, what, the first 43 presidents of the United States? Like, they all have a very <laughs> similar look to them.
1: I, I Like I said, I can't wait for Tortorella in the Philly media because he's he's in for his, now, he was in New York, yeah? Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think of the other places he's been. Columbus, eh. Columbus. Oh, the, uh, I mean, he, oh, he took advantage Columbus. of Columbus, but he's not going to be able to take advantage of the Philly media. Oh, you, you you watch your tongue, sir. The staff of the Columbus Dispatch is listening right now. <laughs> they will not stand for this slander <laughs> of their journalistic ability. Not someone sending him the podcast. <laughs> oh man. Uh, oh God. Quick thought before we go to break, Bruce Cassidy right guy yeah like I said I think they got fortunate actually really fortunate yeah
0: they absolutely I mean the Dallas Stars lucked out the same way that the Vegas Golden Knights did right Dallas Stars Rick Bonus did a good job with that team and now Pete DeBoer I think is going to come down and yeah they're an aging team but I do think that Pete DeBoer has an opportunity in Dallas but Bruce Cassidy was the right guy at the right time better points percentage than DeBoer had here with the Vegas Golden Knights and hell that was still a pretty good uh, points percentage in the first yeah. place.
1: You like how you like how open and honest he is in terms of the players? I don't know if, you know, that doesn't work all the time with young people, and that's why uh, I think Boston, uh, he ran out of juice. But I think I think Mark Stone and others are going to want that. They need to get back to the playoffs, and they, don't, they need to be told what's right and what's wrong.
0: The rep is that he grates on younger players. So the yes. question is going to be, how does he do with Jack Eichel, right? That's it. And I think Jack Eichel will be fine. He's one of, what, four guys who have been a captain in the nhl at some point in their lives on this roster
1: i think he'll figure it out all right when we come back it's Vince sapienza he is your uh, inc- uh incredible uh fox 5 reporter i'm going to tell him that on the uh way out he's going to tell you what he thinks of bruce cassidy and the vegas golden knights once again we got willie ramirez at 8 30 uh, Mick Akers is going to tell you if the A's are coming at 930. And Mike Grimala, this kid's going to give us some UNLV basketball at 930. Uh, he's also a mystery writer now. I don't know where that came from, but we'll talk to Mike Grimala at 930. But back with Vince Sapienza here on the Press Box. It's Ed and Adam on a Monday. You're in the Press Box with Ed Greeny and Adam Candy. Joining us now... From Fox 5, he's your regional Murrow Award and five-time Emmy-winning Fox 5 sports anchor. Raiders, Knights, Athletics for UNLV, UFC, NASCAR, Aviators, Aces, Lights, Vince Sapienza. Boy, I love these Twitter uh, intros. What do you think? Five-time Emmy-winning? You got to like it. How are you, buddy? Is he there? Are you there? Eddie? Vince? (laughs) What's happening? (laughs) Not much. I just introduced you. gave gave the whole resume. gave the rundown from Fox Five Vegas.
2: I'm a big fan. Yeah. Hey, you know this is the the first morning. My kids did not wake me up. They decided to sleep in. So oh. Go take
1: it. You know, Adam. I asked them last week. I said, "What time do the kids get up?" He says, "Like five thirty or 6. I said, "Well, you're you're in at seven thirty, right?" He goes, "Yeah." And this is the first time they should have let you. They, they should have let you sleep in yesterday for Father's Day.
2: Oh, absolutely not. No? no absolutely not. Nope. They needed. Uh, they needed breakfast. Quick, fast, and in a hurry. <laughs>
1: Should have made you breakfast. All right. Uh, when we were coming back, we I want to talk to you about the Golden Knights, and Adam's got some stuff as well. Uh, Bruce Cassidy. So let me ask you this, because last week the question was, you know, do you wait out Barry Trotz? And do you wait him out? And even if you don't think you're the leader, maybe, maybe you do. Maybe Barry Trotz has intimated, hey, you're the leader in the clubhouse. How easy was it for them when Bruce Cassidy became available to say, see you later, Barry, if in fact they were even in on it with him?
2: Yeah, I think, yeah, I think, Bruce Cassidy's name pops up, and I think he automatically moves to number one on the list. I think uh, Barry Trotz obviously is the big fish, Stanley Cup winner, biggest resume—you know, all the wins, all that stuff. But Bruce Cassidy instantly became the guy for the Golden Knight. Um, yeah, I, I just—I I think he—he he has the—you know—when they talk about a new voice, that's the voice. That, I mean, a, a younger-ish voice that, that can that can light the fire under the guys, and a guy who's dealt with veteran superstars in a, in a hotbed market that knows how to press the buttons, and I think that's what this team needs.
0: What were your first impressions from hearing Bruce at the introductory press conference, Vince?
2: I mean, it's... It's one of those things, it's kind of hard not to be impressed with a coach at an introductory press conference. (laughs) You know, they they say all the right things, especially, you know, coming off a firing, you hear the GM say what this team needs, and all of a sudden that coach comes in and says, hey, this is what we're going to do. So I I thought he was impressive. I also thought he was very sincere. But he was also very real. He didn't seem like he was coming off trying to sell himself to the city, to the market. This is a guy who's very confident in his abilities. This is a guy who understands, uh, again, how to press the buttons with with big name guys and, and get the most out of those guys. I think you saw it with the, with the Bergerons and the Marchands and and even the, the Pasternak, who is, I guess, the quote-unquote younger uh, of the superstars, the Charlie McAvoy's over in Boston. I think you saw what he commands in terms of structure because Boston is one of the hardest teams to play against. You can ask any. NHL coach, how difficult it is to play that team, and it's not because of the mystique of being an original six or being an East Coast team. It's because of how structured they are defensively, and I think he said it numerous and multiple times, talking about how, yeah, you want to play great defensively, but you want to play with it for a purpose, getting the puck and going back on the attack. I think he knows what he has in this roster in terms of the talent offensively, but it all starts on the defense and and you know making their way back up the ice because how many times did we see especially last season and again injuries you know not forthcoming it, it just they didn't look like the same team and when you go back to year one golden Knights it was a relentless pursuit of the puck for the golden Knights whether they had it or not they were constantly in motion I mean we're seeing it to a <laughs> even bigger degree in the Stanley Cup final with Colorado the way the avalanche just moved up and down the ice now Are the Golden Knights going to look like that? Absolutely not. But I think the the structure defensively and the way they move up and down the ice is going to look completely different than what we've seen uh, in the last couple of
1: years. Okay, so to to you, is that the most important thing? Because if they do everything that Bruce Cassidy said, they're not losing a game next year. I mean, if we do this, so we do this, so we do this, we got that, we're not losing a game next year. They'll go undefeated and win the Stanley Cup. So what in your mind, is it, the, is it special teams? He's got a very good power play. His numbers and metrics in pretty much every uh, – Every category have been top five at the worst top ten regular season. We know he hasn't had great success in the postseason, went to one cup final, but then he was bounced in the first or second round. So take us through what you really think are the most important aspects of what he said for them to be good, because they're not going to do everything he said, because like I said, if they're good at everything, they might not lose.
2: Yeah, it'd be great to see an 82-0 season. Well, that's, we'd that's, have
1: something to talk about. That, that'd be
2: something to talk about there. <laughs> uh, no, I think it all comes down to special teams. Uh, it was a big part of his press conference. It was a big part of GM Kelly McCrimmon's uh, post-season exit interviews. It was, a, it was a big sticking point when he was talking about the firing of Pete DeBoer, and it was another big sticking point when he introduced Bruce Cassidy. I mean, this guy's special teams in both the penalty kill and power play are, have been in the tops in the league for the last six years, and I don't think that's a coincidence. Uh, and if you say, well, you know, he had a, he had a great team in Boston, well, this is, pretty pretty damn good team here in Vegas to be able to, to replicate that kind of success I think it all comes down to that uh, I'm, I'm no mathematician here Eddie and Adam but like when, when you look at the power play and you look how bad it was uh, I mean you talk about you know maybe 10 to 15 to 25 more power play goals just over the course of a season and all of a sudden that was a that was a playoff team the Golden Knights I mean you're just a few points out of it you're just A few wins away, you're talking power play is is crucial. I mean, you heard Mark Stone the other day in another interview talk about if their power play was even close to average the last couple seasons, this Golden Knights team probably played in a couple more conference final or even Stanley Cup final. So I think it's not just uh, you know the outside looking in saying hey, special teams need to get fixed. The Golden Knights players have been saying it and have banging their heads against the wall for the past two seasons, that this power play, the special teams need to get better. They try to fix it mid-season. They try to get new assistant coaches running it with Ryan Craig midway this past year. Nothing seemed to work. Bruce Cassidy, mission number one, nothing else matters unless you fix this power play because otherwise we're just going to be seeing the same story in a different year.
0: So when you watch this Colorado Avalanche team, Vince, and you see what the Golden Knights on the roster are going to bring back next year, do you see a roster right now for the Golden Knights that is going to be able to compete with Colorado if healthy?
2: Man, I don't know if I see a roster in the NHL that could compete. I don't know if if you combine a couple rosters if they'd be able to compete (laughs) with Colorado with what they're doing right now. I mean, what they're doing is absolutely incredibly insane. I mean, it's so much... Fun to watch, but I say that, and I and I look back to two years, you know, two years or excuse me, a year ago now. Uh, and this this Golden Knights team beat that Colorado team that was essentially the entire core. Now they obviously added a lot of sandpaper and grit and you know big tough guys to, to play harder against. But I mean this that, that this that Golden Knights team, I mean, went toe to toe with them and, and took four out of six. So. um... Yeah, do I think this team can compete, especially with the likes of a Jack Eichel and and things like that? And, you know, I was listening. I think it's fascinating what you guys were talking about when it came to Jack Eichel because I was was kind of uh, shocked at what to hear Bruce say when he said, you know, talking about guys learning to play the right way, learning how to win. And when he referenced Jack Eichel specifically, learning how to play, still trying to figure out how to learn to play the game the right way. I found that fascinating for a guy who's a former captain, been in the league for six-plus seasons, been one of the elite players. But that's a guy that Bruce Cassidy is going to have to really tweak and, and figure out how to get the best out of him while also keeping him responsible with a 200-foot game. So Jack Eichel is, is kind of the guy that everybody's going to be looking at next season. But for that reason, I, I think he makes him the most interesting golden night moving forward.
1: It's Ben Sapienza from Fox 5 Vegas here with Ed and Adam on the Press Box. Damon running the show today. Okay, Daddy's gone. We feel bad. <laughs> Goodbye, Daddy. Uh, finally, Daddy went to a team that wasn't on his list. Uh, so, but, but they're not. But they're still going to have to make some tough choices. I saw it could have been a completely rumor. reaction. Maybe someone was throwing out that uh, Carlson to Ottawa, another salary dump to get someone back who, uh, who was not going to play. I, I forget who it was. You probably saw that as well. Uh, some of the tough decisions they have to make. Um, you're Kelly McCrimmon right now, and there's just not a lot of guys out there you can salary dump and get someone back who's not going to play uh, like you did for Daddy. So what <laughs> what are you doing? Like, well, how are you getting to this number? Um, it, you know, in terms of tough decisions, in terms of names that people are going to, you know, much not not as much with Flurry, but you know, fans are going to fall off their chairs if they actually move people with certain names.
2: Yeah, I mean the Gold Knights still have work to do. I mean, I was I was kind of impressed with what they were able to to do for the Donov in, in terms of getting that Shea Weber contract. Obviously, you never want to be a team just sitting with LTIR for four years in the off season. But obviously, you know, Bill Foley says I'll pay the check and get some cap salary cap relief. That's what they did. So I thought that was I thought that was a pretty good move. Uh, Yeah, I saw the William Carlson rumors to Ottawa. I think the other player involved would have been Colin White. I just don't know how that helps Vegas other than uh, the salary cap that just makes them weaker at a position that for five years they were trying to get stronger at, at the center position. I think, you look at William Carlson, I just think that's the guy who's going to flourish under Bruce Cassidy. I mean, you look what what Bruce Cassidy was able to do with Eric Halla late in the second half last year in Boston, another former Golden Knight. He's able to make him essentially a point-per-game player over the last 40, 40-plus games. So to see what he could do with, with William Carlson, I, I, that excites me. And and I, I know everybody wants to go back to year one Carlson with the 43 goals, but I think William Carlson, I mean, when, you, when you're comparing him to what he is now, I mean, you look at what Philip Deneau did in Montreal, what he did this past season in, in L.A. He's kind of a shut-down, third-line center who can chip in offense and play you know, on the second power play and things like that. I think that's kind of what William Carlson is. I hate putting a limit or a ceiling on a guy, especially as fired up as he was at the end of the uh, season a uh, couple uh, month and a half ago. But I think that's what William Carlson is. I think he's an important piece to this Golden Ice team, especially the way Bruce Cassidy wants to play defensively structured and then breaking it out because that's what he and the other misfits were able to do uh, a lot of being able to break out of their zone and, and create odd man rushes. Uh, I, I think a name that's kind of jumping out to me is Alex Martinez. Uh, obviously an unfortunate situation with what he had to go through last year. We know the warrior that he he was and his you know teammates named him after playing with a broken foot uh, during the postseason last time they were in it. But when you hear Bruce Cassidy talk, and it goes back to the power play, right? He, his His philosophy is very simple, and it's he doesn't deviate a lot. He plays with one defenseman and four forwards on the power play. And for the last two seasons, Alec Martinez has been on that second power play. uh, typically with Petrangelo on that half wall just ripping one timers and if that there's no place for him on the power play, that doesn't make him any less valuable. But I mean then you're paying, you know, five plus million for a guy just to block shots game in and game out. And for a guy who's you know, in his you know mid thirties, he's blocked a lot of shots, a lot of wear and tear. His game just obviously, even when he was back, it, it took him a while to get even close to what he was the year prior. He's a guy that I think they might look at to say, hey, um, especially if they want to try and keep Nick Hag in the fold. Zach Whitecloud is signed long term. Petrangelo and Shea are your horses running running back there. So um, I think they really liked what Ben Hutton did signing him to that extension. So Alex Martinez is kind of the guy I'm looking at to see if, if he's the next guy on the move, even before William Carlson.
1: Perfect stuff there. He is Vince Sapienza. Follow him on Twitter at Vince Sapienza. He's your Fox 5 Vegas reporter. Thank you, buddy. It was great stuff. Thanks, guys. Have take a good care. one. What do you think about that, Alex Martinez?
0: You can, but I think you're also signaling a shift in how you want to play if, if uh, you take Alex Martinez Alec Martinez out of the equation just because of the fact that he's sort of been the heartbeat defensively of that defense core Uh, but maybe then again, the Golden Knights didn't play a whole lot defensively in their first season, right? They were a team that was get the puck and fly and let Marc-Andre Fleury clean up the mess.
1: All right, when we come back, can you believe this? Will the Angels actually pay Shohan Otani? Back after this. Drives that one. Hit well! Shohei Otani!
2: Saddle! 2-1 Angels!
1: You're in the Press Box with Ed Greeny and Adam Candy. All right, tickets this hour to Morrissey. You'll want to hear that. Tickets this hour around the 8.45 time, time span. We're going to give you tickets to Morrissey next hour. The 9 o'clock hour, four-pack of tickets to the fan zone. The Aces against uh, Chicago uh, this week. Uh, West Star Credit Union and Finley Volkswagen Henderson sponsoring those tickets. Coming back with Otani in a uh, uh, clip there. Let me ask you something. Uh, he's the free agent after 2023. This has actually been a point of contention on what the Angels should do with him. Uh, there's a story in The Athletic. He makes $8.5 million this season into arbitration after this season. Could be a free agent, like I said, in 2023. <laughs> there's, there's been no one like this, right? I mean, there's been no one like this in terms of what and people people will last say what do you mean what they should do they have to sign him they have to sign him uh we're thinking i mean th- this could be 50 60 million a year if he hits the market because he plays you know he's a pitcher and hitter is there any chance they don't sign him i mean is it risk reward here and if you don't
0: what if patrick mahomes was also a shutdown corner right be a like, hell of a player that's the- <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. And you'd be valuing him the same way you value Shohei Otani. Um now think about this. Shohei Otani, because of the new international rules, came over here for a hell of a lot less money than he would have gotten on the open market, right? The fact that he makes eight and a half million a year does not reflect that Shohei Otani isn't worth well more than I'm sorry, the eight and a half million he has left over the next two years. Uh that does not suggest that Shohei Otani was not well thought of. It was a function of the new system. There were folks who thought Otani wouldn't come until his first contract in Japan was completely done, that he wasn't going to go through the new posting system because he was going to be so grossly underpaid. He's making $5.5 million this year. $5.5 The Angels alone have seven players making more than Shohei Otani this year. And so I understand the argument that how can you pay him because... You're already paying for the next, let's see here, one, two, three, four, five, six years. You'll be paying Anthony Rendon and Mike Trout a combined total of $75.5 million before you do anything else. But you have to. There's no choice. A guy like Shohei Otani does not just show up in Orange County randomly. This is not something that happens every day, right? It's like trying to sign free agents in Green Bay in its own way. And no, I'm not comparing Orange County to Green Bay, but it is not a franchise that historically has been able to do this successfully time after time. So Shohei Otani, yes, everything about his batted ball profile and his hitting this year is down. Everything about his throwing is down, but he's still a guy who has shown you elite level performance and showed a desire he got to choose his own team when he went to the Angels he could have gone to the Dodgers he could have gone to the Yankees he could have gone anywhere other than where he chose to go he chose to go to Artie Moreno's Anaheim Pit, and because of that you know that he has a willingness to commit to this franchise so you have to sign him at all costs
1: become a free agent in his age 29 season according to Athletic presumably remain a pitcher and hitter, if I told you the number started with a six, would you be shocked?
0: As in $60 million a year or yeah. as in $600 million? No. yeah, No, $60 million well, a year. I don't think he's getting $60 million a year just because I think that would break the salary structure of Major League Baseball. But if you told me that it was the trade-off for him getting four or five years, yeah, I could buy that. I could buy that on a short-term deal, Artie Moreno would say, I own a baseball team because it has no salary cap, and I'm going to go do this. He spent 38 plus million a year on Anthony Rendon, who is playing about as much Major League Baseball this year as you and me. Yeah. So I look at this franchise and say, okay, because Shohei Otani is an elite pitcher, and you've already seen what he can do hitting, then there is no scale for him. You can pay him that and not have everybody come back at you. Now, I don't know that they're going to allow him to break the scale to that level. 45 50 50 yeah 50 50 is not unreasonable if the val if the years are of the right average annual value but look at this team right now they paid noah Syndergaard 21 million dollars a year to try to give them something of a second pitcher but right now guys who are making more than shohei otani include rice iglesias aaron loop (laughs) ryan tapera and michael lorenzen so if you're shohei otani you just walk into Artie Moreno's office, you point to that and say, uh, all these guys together could not hold my bat, right. so we probably should start with their salaries combined.
1: Uh, a few more baseball notes. Dodgers send Mookie Betts to the IL uh, with a cracked rib, and the Padres' Manny Machado leaves the game left ankle sprain. That He rolled it on first base. That didn't look good. Let me ask you this. Uh, you're going to be surprised. Well, you won't be surprised because I'm completely negative about the Dodgers. Who are you buying more? In the NL West, who, which team between these two are you buying more? The Dodgers lead them by a half a game. We know about the Dodgers pitching beyond Gosselin and Anderson. They, they, I they think they're coming back to earth anyway. Um, but are you, I, why am I buying the Padres? Because I'm just a negative Dodger fan. Of course, of course, Ed. <laughs> Look, you could start asking me about the Yankees,
0: and I could tell you all the I'm reasons that they won't win. But you, you and I do the same thing. It's emotional protection. But when it comes to the Los Angeles Dodgers, uh, look, they, they've been hit by injury in a way that they really haven't had to deal with in years past. And now we'll see with the Padres what they're capable of because Machado goes down. He's probably not back till after the All-Star break. They just got a bad report on Tatis that he's not ready to start. Yeah, he's not even ready forward. to start yeah. swinging. Right. So now you're going to be playing without your two best players for quite a while. And you know you could say the same for the Dodgers and Mookie Betts with that cracked rib. The Padres, to me, are a team where I'm not going to believe it until I see it, and it's going to be really hard for me to see it. I've seen the Dodgers do it now. I haven't seen the Padres do this, and so if you ask me right now, who do I believe in? God, do I actually have to say the Giants?
1: Oh, three I to, I, the three and a half, the three and a half, and very, and no one's talking about them either. By the yeah. way, no, and they're going to make the playoffs. It's just a matter of how.
0: Uh, but right now, if I look at those teams. I know, there's no, nobody, you, me, Damon, nobody listening to this show could name the starting nine for the San Francisco Giants. No, but no chance. Well, I, I know one are. of them
1: because he's a fantasy football player.
0: Oh, yeah, and <laughs> uh, by the way, were those shirts glorious or what? <laughs> oh, those
1: were great shirts. Oh, absolutely. Standing behind them, standing behind them. I just wish they all wore their hats sideways like he did with suspenders, which... <sighs> so much better. so
0: so so much better i mean look tommy fam local guy here in vegas we're not here to drag you all the way through the mud buddy not but, all the way uh, but you know we're 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 gonna be team jock be team jock there and i'm team shohei otani pay hey, the man look i you and know, you know Tyler and I sit here when it comes to the Raiders and a salary cap sport, when it comes to the Golden Knights and a salary cap sport, and we talk about the fact that you have to deal with reality. You have to deal with the fact that there's a salary cap. There are times that you cannot sign a player or you have to judge a player differently. You judge Devontae Adams differently because of the draft compensation you had to give up to get him and because of the contract he got. This is baseball. This is drunken spending. This is throw it off the side of the yacht, burn it in the fireplace money. Artie Moreno can spend as much as he wants on Shohei Ohtani. And if I'm Shohei Ohtani and I look at the fact that an aging Mike Trout is going to make $37 million a year and Anthony freaking Rendon is going to make $38.5 million a year, I'm going to ask for the bag full well knowing that there's another franchise out there that will give it to me if the Angels don't.
1: Great stuff there. When we come back, it's the front page.